Our friends at L. Keeley are incredibly dedicated to quality, ensuring that they do the right work the first time. Their founder and my friend, his name is Larry Keeley, has always said that quality and service never go out of style. After four decades of proving that truth in his construction business, their customer-centric approach is evident in every single project they touch. Learn more about their work and how they can impact you and your business at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast, Christmas Eve's Eve's edition with John O'Leary. We have for you today on this Thursday, if you're listening to it near the launch of the episode or shortly after, for those of you tuning in over the weekend, we have a wonderful episode in store for you today. We're going to create an episode that will challenge you and encourage you and inspire you to think. I think you're going to be moved. You're going to be challenged to consider what matters most, maybe what matters least, and how you want to live not only during this Christmas season, but beyond. I'm going to begin this episode not by introducing the guests, and you're going to love them when I bring them on. Hang on for it. But by sharing with you a quote and then a question asked of one of my children. The quote is from Marie von Ebner Eschenbach. And Marie wrote this, To be content with little is difficult. To be content with much, impossible. I love that. To be content with little is difficult. To be content with much, impossible. So here comes the question that my kids asked me several Christmases ago that got me really reframing how we want to do the holidays going forward. Here's the question. Is that all? Is that all? It's seemingly an innocent enough question, unless it is being asked by one of your kids on Christmas morning after they open up all their gifts. Let me explain. The holidays are said to be the most wonderful time of the year. They can, however, also be incredibly busy. They can be stressful. They can be a little intense, in particular during a global pandemic, in particular with the stresses that so many of us feel right now in the marketplace and the situation we find ourselves in our lives. Several years ago, we as a family went to my wife's church that she grew up in over Christmas Eve, and then we drove out to my parents' house to reconnect with cousins, to eat dinner, and open up some presents as it got late. We drove our three, our five, our seven, and our nine-year-old kids back to visit with Best Family to enjoy a late dessert, more holiday cheer, sing some Christmas songs, open up some more presents. And after an exhausting day, we dragged our four crabby, at this point, tired little ones out of that party, tethered them into car seats, drove them back to our house, carried them up to the rooms, tucked them into bed. Fueled with a glass of wine, Beth and I then assisted Santa with wrapping some presents, laying them around the tree, stuffing some stockings before the two of us collapsed into bed. As the sun peeked over the horizon, little footsteps pitter-pattered down the hallway into our bedroom, loudly pronouncing the dawn of Christmas morning. 
pulling their mom and their dad out of bed. The kids tugged us downstairs, raced us to their stockings, grabbed their presents, tore into the gifts, devoured their candy. Beth and I sipped our coffee. We wiped the sleep from our eyes and savored the little ones around the tree, the presents in their hands, the wrapping paper scattered on the floor. Then our oldest looked up after opening his last present, face saddened, and asked the question, you ready for it, friends? Here it comes. Is that all? Is that all? Is that all? Okay, Jack. After dealing with traffic and crowded stores and racing around to get you guys these special gifts that were on your list, you're going to ask us, is that all? After all the parties we raced to and the outfits we shoehorned you into and the pictures we took of you and the cards we sent for you and the the cookies we baked with you, you're seriously going to ask, is that all? After wrapping presents and stuffing stockings and laying them around the tree and eating three bites of carrots and sipping milk from Rudolph's bowl before going to bed at 3.30 last night, you're seriously going to ask the question, is that all? With those irritated thoughts dancing around in my head, I took a long, slow sip of coffee, then a deep breath, looked back at my little man and reminded him, no, that is not all. There's so much more, Jack. The presents and the paper and the cookies and the cards are just an excuse to celebrate what this thing, this day, this life is really actually all about. I then reminded him that real joy and real peace and real love are seldom wrapped. They rarely arrive through the chimney and they are generally not found under some Christmas tree. Sometimes they arrive as an old friend, a gentle snow, a new love, maybe a family tradition. Other times they grow out of a financial woe or relational challenge, health scares or flight delays. And sometimes the greatest gifts, those that lead to the most profound joy, are birthed in a little town when no one is around, no one notices, and no one fathoms the transformational event that just took place. I then reminded the kids of the awesome reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place. My friends, as we prepare for the holiday season, I'm going to encourage you to take pause to celebrate and to rejoice in the amazing blessings around us and presence in your life. I'm going to challenge you today to be in awe of the fact that the seemingly good and the seemingly bad of your life have led perfectly to where you are today and providentially to where you're going to head tomorrow. And I'd like to encourage you to be convinced that the foundation is firm, that 2021 is almost behind us. And yes, indeed, the best is yet to come. And when I think of other things that are behind us, reminding us of that truth, listen to this number. You ready for it? 422. What is that? 422. That is the episode number of what you are listening to right now. 422 episodes of Live Inspired. Thank you, Keeley Companies, bringing it to you week after week, month after month, season after season. 422 episodes. 
In the majority of those episodes, I've had the opportunity and the honor of interviewing guests. It's not usually me looking at you on the microphone and on the screen, sharing with you my heart for this season and my heart for this life and what's possible in our lives going forward. Normally, I've got the great pleasure of sitting across the table or across the screen from someone that I look up to, someone that I respect, someone that I think truly lives an inspired life with all of those guests i've asked them remember the the frame the live inspired seven that's right we talk about the best book they've ever read the most influential in their life someone that they look up to advice they might give themselves how they want to be remembered various questions like this talk to the middle i usually ask them the question if you could go back into your house and the house is on fire but all living things are out and you had an opportunity to grab one item, something that really mattered, something that may not rest under a tree, but it is something that you would race back in on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve's Eve or sometimes shortly after, and you'd risk everything for that one thing. What would you grab? What would you grab? In other words, if something truly had significant value to you, what is that? What's that one thing? This season, as we get ready to move into Christmas Eve tomorrow and then Christmas morning the following day, is so much about racing from store to store, making sure that we've got the right outfit, that the shirt is tucked in, that we're on time. And it's packed with stress. And I think ultimately it's packed with much of the unimportant. So I try to distill to these individuals and to our listeners, so what actually matters? What matters? What is that thing for you? Hundreds of times asking hundreds of guests this one question, and we have heard some remarkable answers on this episode celebrating the Christmas season. I wanted to share with you some of my very favorites. Some of them will be shared in my voice, like right now. Others are going to be shared in theirs, so you'll want to stick around for it. We had some common responses, though. In fact, as we were going back through with my podcast producer, Amy Loyette, I was surprised by how many common ones we had. Here comes some frequent flyers. The most common answered from our guests. This probably will not surprise you. What do you think they went back in for? Once the kids are out, once the spouse, partner, roommates are out, once the animals are out, the most common response by far, almost 100 individuals, pictures. John, I went back in for pictures or photo albums. Right behind that, Bible. The Bible that they read, sometimes the Bible that their father or grandfather gave them, sometimes a Bible that a loved one wrote for them, meaning they kept notes in the side of it. Mike Matheny wrote about and shared with me the Bibles that he keeps for his children every year. The manager now for the Kansas City Royals, formerly the St. Louis Cardinals, tracks his life in a Bible as a love letter from God through his experiences to one child. That's what Mike Matheny would go back in and get. And he wasn't alone. Almost two dozen others joined him in running back into their house for a Bible. Uh, 18 individuals that we've interviewed said, I would risk everything. And I would go back in for my computer, my laptop, my smartphone. Fair enough. 15 individuals said, John, there is nothing in the world that would get me off that sidewalk to go back into that burning house. Let it burn, man. Bring the marshmallows. Let it burn. We heard many individuals write and share with us about the power of their journals. That's what they would go in and save. My friends who have been listening to my voice in this podcast for a while know that we love musical musical guests on the Live Inspired podcast. 
Well, musical guests frequently love their musical instruments. And so we had a whole bunch of responses. John Tesh went in and he was going to grab his grand piano. It's a nine foot grand piano. We're going to need, you know, John's a big guy, but we're going to need a couple big guys to grab the nine foot piano with John Tesh. We had eight individuals say I would grab my guitar. We also had some pretty funny ones that were shared. The a survivor of the Boston Marathon. You may remember her. Her name was Rebecca Gregory. After thinking about it for a while and saying, so John, I can only get one thing. Is that what you're saying? And I said, yeah, Rebecca, only one thing. This is a woman who was there to run the marathon. And in doing so, unfortunately, due to the terrorist attack, she lost her leg. This woman said, though, John, if I could go back in and grab one thing, I would grab my waterproof prosthetic leg. I've nicknamed this leg Ariel. I'd go swimming, John, because nothing sets my soul on fire more than a day at the beach. I would swim with Ariel. Sebastian Manikowsko, the most known comedian right now in the United States, according to various search engine sites, pretty remarkable, was on our podcast in 2021. He made time to share some of his day with us. It was a great episode. Sebastian said that there is a photo of his wife and his daughter coming on stage in Toronto. But he also said, but John, really, if everything else is safe, I'd print off a new photo from the cloud. And so maybe I'd get some cheese, man. I'd get some cheese, maybe go for some food and watch the house burn. It's a phenomenal interview with Sebastian. We also had some emotional ones like William Paul Young, the author of The Shack, share that he would go back and inside and get his father's first edition copy of George McDonald's Unspoken Sermon, uh, a very, very, very rare book given to him by a loved one from his past, Amy Wolf. She is the creator of the sign movement. So those signs that you see in yards all around yours, all over the United States and all over the world, signs that have words like, you are enough, don't give up, keep going. The signs of encouragement, white signs with black letters. She created that movement after losing her brother, Jeremy, in a drowning event. So when I asked Amy, Amy, what would you go in and get? Amy said, John, I would go in and get the carved heart that my brother made me shortly before he passed away. She included, by the way, a picture of it that we'll have in our show notes. So you may want to check that out today at johnlearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. But her brother, Jeremy, lost his life shortly before he passed away. He made her a heart with her name on it on a slab of wood he found near the lake where he ended up passing away. Remarkable thing to run back in and come back with. Cal Ripken Jr., baseball Hall of Famer. He said he would go back inside and get the letter that he wrote himself in September of 1987 when his consecutive inning streak was finally stopped. Seth Godin said that he would go in and grab the canoe paddle that he hand-carved for his wife way back in 1979, before all those best-selling books, before all those speeches, before all those interviews, before all that success, before all those life changes. Very simple time, but the commitment he has to his wife today was there in 1979 when they said the words, I do. On a canoe paddle, he hand-carved for her, and that is the one thing that he would go back and save. But there were a few that were so moving today 
we wanted to share with you not only what they were, but in the words of the individuals who went back to save these things, I wanted to, uh, to bring them back on in their own words to share with you the answer to the question, if you could go back into a house that was on fire and save one thing, what would you get? What would you get? One of our most downloaded episodes of all time, so many of you would have heard this one, was from Lauren Daigle. Lauren joined us at the beginning of the lockdown during 2020. The world was changing, profound uncertainty. None of us knew what was coming next. All of us were dealing with a whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of fear, and she reminded us of the power of faith. For those who may not remember, she is the two-time Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter, the fastest-selling new artist in contemporary Christian genre in the last decade, She's critically acclaimed for her unique, soulful, and soaring vocals. She's awesome. She's filled with joy. She has unwavering faith. And when you listen to her voice, you hear how vibrantly alive she is. So from her car, no, no, not her house, not a recording studio. She was in her car because when the interview began, what she recognized is the house was so noisy. It was during lockdown, all kinds of noises coming from around her. She's like, I got to go somewhere more quiet. So she took me outside. We're doing this interview together live. She shuts the car door. It's totally quiet. And we spend the next hour and 20 minutes talking about life. Phenomenal conversation. And I asked her the question, hey, Lauren, if you could go back into the house and grab one thing, what would you get? I want to play for you her answer. Okay, I'll tell you my first thought and then I'll tell you my second thought. First thought was, I do not care at all. <laughs> Let it all go down. Totally. I know that sounds so, that might sound morbid. I just, I just don't care. I don't, I think once all of the things that matter are out, that's all I, genuinely, that's all I care about. Things can be rebought. Memories are forged in my mind. I don't need a thing to, to remind me of them. I love life so much. And, but the reason why I love it is not because of the things that I have. It is genuinely because of the people that are around me. So I don't think I'd go back in. I'd think, well, let's just roast some marshmallows really quick. <laughs> I'm kidding. But seriously, the second thought was my grandfather gave me a hundred dollar bill before he passed away. He gave one to each one of his grandkids. And <clears throat> it was like, as he was passing, he knew he was going to die. And so he always had this saying, be sure to know who you are. Be sure to know whose you are. And you better, and he would use an explicitive right there, but he'd say, you better blank know where you are. And that was his kind of wink, wink. I love him saying that. He would always say, stay, stay true to who you are. And with that, he would follow up with, you better know who you are. You better know whose you are. And you better know where you are. <laughs> And so he gave us that $100 bill while he was telling us that. So I'd probably run back in for that, that $100 bill. That's where I would say majority of the songs came from, is from the things that he would say, his one-liners. Hmm. And then um, the That girl, third, by the way, that, that, that girl of his, uh, yes, that's a pretty cool always, thing that you just came out with. Yeah, he would always call me that girl. And he would have me sing for everybody. He'd say, that girl's here, that girl is here. And uh, he would have me sing for everyone. <laughs> yeah, this girl kind of came out of that unknowingly. It was kind of beautiful. God's little wink to me. And then the third thought was, I, I keep this letter box. And it's comprised of 
letters from my childhood all the way to now, letters that I get from people, even if it's just a simple thank you note, um, or if it's, you know, a saga or if it's a birthday card. And so I'd probably run back in and, Mm. and grab that letterbox. The letterbox filled with letters from her childhood all the way up to right now. Such an awesome reminder of who we are and the journey that has led to where we are right now. Second thing she grabbed, though, if you remember, the $100 bill. Was it for the money, though? Was it because it would wrap beautifully and be placed perfectly underneath the tree? No. It was not only the money that she was grabbing. It was really the advice that Grandpa offered. Here it is again. You better know who you are, whose you are, and where you are, Lauren. You better know who you are, whose you are, and where you are, Lauren. And the first thing that Lauren thought of when she was thinking about that house burning and what she would grab, a marshmallows, marshmallows. Let the thing burn, man. The things that matter most are already out. That bit of advice, though, that her grandfather gave her reminded me and our entire team of some other advice that one of our other guests received early in our podcast movement. This is going back almost four years. We brought on a best-selling author, not from the United States, but from Germany. Michaela Haas is the best-selling author of several different books, and she and I met because she was interviewing me for essentially the New York Times of Germany. So we're going to be in this article together. She's speaking English. She's translating, thankfully, my words, my responses into German so we can launch and celebrate the work and the movement behind the book On Fire. When I brought her onto our show, we talked mostly not about On Fire, the book, but mostly about her movement, teaching people about post-traumatic growth. No, not post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic growth. How the experiences, the fires, the difficulties of life can actually propel you forward in ways of faithfulness, courage, compassion, empathy, boldness. From the difficulties of yesterday, you can become a far better version of yourself tomorrow. Great conversation with a really great lady. And when I asked her the question around what would you go back in and save if everything was out that mattered to you, the people were out, the animals were out, your friends were out, and you had a chance to go in and get one thing. What she shared was so moving. So I'm going to play for you right now the response from Michaela Haas. This is easy because, as I mentioned, my sister-in-law lost her three-year-old daughter. And we have a recording of her voice Mm. that says, you're my best friend. It's in a little cube with her picture. And, uh, you know, we have very few recordings of her. So I would definitely grab, grab that cube that says, you're my best friend. Awesome. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. It's a reminder sometimes we need from our three-year-old little niece. It's a reminder that we sometimes need from those around us, whether they be parents or roommates or spouses or partners, family members, coworkers. We need to be reminded that we are not alone. But sometimes, my friends, sometimes we feel as if we are all alone. And sometimes that feeling can sear us not only with the sense of isolation, but ultimately with despair. And so the third interview that I wanted to share with you today of an individual that would run in and grab something of value, something truly worth placing below the tree this Christmas season, is my dear friend, Charlie Plum. I first met Charlie Plum in Columbus, Ohio at a conference. We spoke together on the stage together. 
And then afterwards, as I'm walking over and shaking this hero's hand, I said, Charlie, I just want to be friends. And for the last five, six years, that's what we've been. For those who do not yet know the story of Charlie Plum, here it is in short. On his 75th and final mission in Vietnam, flying an airplane, Charlie Plum's F-4 Phantom Jet was shot down. He was captured. And he spent the next 2,103 days isolated, tortured, dealing with despair, struggling by himself in a North Vietnamese prison camp for POWs. It was a very difficult time, obviously, for him. It's an amazing story of what led to that 75th flight, what allowed him to survive more than 2,000 days in the captivity, and ultimately what freed him to live a remarkable life after being released. Amazing episode from a phenomenal human being. I love Charlie Plum. It was when we got to this question, though, that it almost derailed us because he shared something with me that I'd never read about, and I knew Charlie well. I'd never heard him speak at another event. And after I ran that by him, he agreed. He never told anybody this before. So my friends, uh, first time, we're breaking the news here. I asked Charlie Plum, Charlie, what would you run in and save? And this was his response. My, you know, my first thought is get my computer because it's got all the pictures and all that stuff, but it's all backed up. So I think, I think what I would get is I have, I have a tin cup that uh, has holes in it and uh, that I brought back from the prison camp. Uh, I had I patched up the holes with earwax so that it would hold water, and I I keep that tin cup just to remind me of the challenge that I faced and the value of the challenge uh, within that tin cup. Oh gosh, man, I I've never heard that part about your story. Well, I don't think I've ever told that. Speaking of never telling anyone a story like that before, and thank you, Charlie, for sharing it with us, we had the remarkable honor of interviewing someone who rarely accepts interview requests. Her name is Carlotta Walls-Lanier, and I had the privilege and the pleasure of interviewing her almost four years ago. My friend, she is the youngest member of the Little Rock Nine. She is a champion of freedom and a congressional gold medal recipient. To remind you, for those who uh, may not have heard that podcast recently, it was almost three and a half years ago now. In 1954, the Supreme Court decided with Brown versus the Board of Education that separate schools for black and white students were completely unconstitutional. So in the spring of 1957, Little Rock, Arkansas, was the epicenter of racial tension as Little Rock Central High School prepared for the integration of its first nine students of color. One of them, the youngest of them, was a little girl named Carlotta. Carlotta endured unbelievable hardship as she integrated into this school and changed not only the city of Little Rock for the better and the state of Arkansas for the better, but began breaking down the walls the borders, the boundaries that divided us in this nation, something that continues even to this date. I had the honor near the end of the conversation of asking Carlotta, Carlotta, if you could go back into the house, all the children are out, families out, pets are out, and you had an opportunity to run back out with one thing. What's the one thing you would grab? Here's her answer. My congressional gold medal. (laughs) So I've never seen one. Describe it for me. It is extremely heavy. Um, it's not one that you put around you and, you know, this, this is a metal. It is solid gold. 
and uh, it ours and and each one will have a different picture on it. Uh, it it they had a committee to decide what would be on it, and ours had uh, the the picture of the school and us uh, going up the steps um, mm. with the military. And on the back, it has the list of nine names. Solid gold. And it was heavy. First time I heard her share that response, I remember being moved, not because the thing was made of solid gold or because the thing was heavy, but because of the value that she saw within it. I love the fact that it stands for Carlotta, the value of courage, of showing up, of taking a stand, of moving forward, of uniting with eight others, of being guarded by people of principle, of making a difference when others are yelling and screaming and spitting and hurling insult and worse towards you. That one person can indeed make a difference. That one person can, in fact, change the world, in particular when that person goes arm in arm with eight other brothers and sisters and a movement begins underfoot. Uh, what, what a worthy thing to go back in for. Solid gold. And it was heavy. It was heavy. Speaking of solid gold, speaking of solid gold, I met a gentleman who is solid gold. His name is Commander Jim Lavelle. I met him in his ninth decade of life. And what a life Jim has lived. Jim is probably best remembered now for being part of the Apollo 13 mission. He was the commander of Apollo 13. He was played by Tom Hanks. For those of you who've been hanging out on the Live Inspire channel for a while, you know I've run his podcast a couple different times because I'm so deeply moved by this man, by what he's overcome, by the challenges that he's faced, by how he moved forward, the impact he's made, and the profound humility that he continues to show even as he steps through his ninth decade of life. The thing Jim went in for, though, is so cool, and it bears repeating today. So I'd like you, if you haven't started yet taking notes, you may want to sit up a little bit a little bit more straight in that chair. Grab, yeah, grab your favorite Live Inspired journal. Get ready because I'm going to collect your papers after his response. So Jim Lavelle, take it away, my friends. What is the one thing you would go in, and what is the one thing you would get? I'd probably say the, the term paper I wrote <laughs> in my first class year at the Naval Academy on the development of the liquid fuel rocket. Why that? Because that gave me the incentive to continue going. Hmm. Even though, like that, it was the way I would want to aim my career, and it probably gave me the incentive to rebuild everything if everything else is gone. Hmm. You see, for Jim, the term paper doesn't just represent the Apollo mission or Gemini or the ability ultimately to place an aircraft on an aircraft carrier or growing up in the Depression or all the things that he went through to that moment. For Jim, and this is beautiful, he's the only answer like this. It also represents the fact that he did this once and he can do it again. It's not powerful. What he went through, he proved to himself way back in the Navy Academy, back in the early 1940s, that he, he could do it one time. And if he lost it all, that paper would remind him not only the life he built, but that he could do it again. What a, what a great reminder of what happens when you celebrate the good, how it can carry you through the difficult days to come. And when Amy and I and the rest of our team were thinking about individuals we've had the honor of interviewing who represent that, one name came up repeatedly, and it was the name Laura Gassner Odding. Laura is the author of Limitless, It's How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. 
Our conversation was primarily around how to build a life that really makes a difference. It was a wonderful conversation, but it was the answer to the question, if your home was on fire and all living things were up, what would you get, Laura? What would you get? She is an entrepreneur. She's successful. She's a best-selling author. She's got a whole lot of things to grab, a whole lot of things that could fit under that tree. But that's not what she went in and grabbed. I'm going to let Laura share with you in her own words what mattered most to her. You know, my husband writes me a letter every year. It's almost like a state of the union <laughs> on our anniversary. And I think I would grab those because they really are a chronicle of our 23 years together. 23 letters chronicling 23 difficult and awesome and painful and beautiful and challenging and difficult and redemptive and good years together. 23 letters from a husband to his wife. What an awesome thing to not only go in and grab, thank you, Laura, for the reminder, but for the husband, Mr. Rodding, what a beautiful thing to gift your wife. As those of us moving toward uh, the 25th, you got a day and a half to start doing this. Why not consider writing a love letter, State of the Union? Don't make it so formal. Don't type it up, but in your heart, with your own handwriting, let her, let him, let them know how grateful you are for 2021 and being able to do it well with them. I had a chance to uh, be interviewed by a different person. So I wasn't doing the asking on the, of the questions. I was actually receiving the questions. I was seated across from someone on their channel. And they asked me the question, John, I've heard your podcast. If you could go back and, and grab one thing from your house, what would you grab? So the tables were now turned. And I thought about it for a moment and I said, well, man, I'm going to cheat. I know you told me one thing, but I'm going to grab two. The first would be the crystal baseball that Jack Buck, the Cardinal Hall of Fame radio announcer, gave me when I graduated university. And I shared with him and the listeners a little bit of the story behind the meaning of that baseball this crystal priceless heirloom gift that Mr. Buck gave me. So that's one thing I would grab. But the second thing was a letter that I wrote my wife back in 2017. And the letter began on January 1st. And then I wrote another love letter to her on January 2nd, and then a third, and then a fourth. And for 360 days, I wrote my wife a love letter every day, just detailing out where she modeled beauty and brilliance and generosity and grace on that day. In a time in my life when I was running so fast, I recognized if I don't slow down long enough to see her beauty, I might not. I might not. So in 2017, I wrote Beth 360 love letters and gave it to her for Christmas. And as we approach this Christmas, if I had to go back in and grab one item in my left hand would be that crystal baseball given to me by Jack Buck. And in my right hand would be that journal not so much love letters that I wrote her, but examples of her, of her grace and her beauty and her generosity that she gave me during a year together. Because ultimately, we never for sure know when that time with a loved one will come to an end. You don't know when you're going to get the phone call. You don't know when you are going to get a diagnosis. You don't know how life will look in 2022, let alone tomorrow morning. And our final guest today... The final lady that I'd like to bring on and share her answer is a woman who reminds us of the power of living passionately this moment, even if it is hard. Her name is Jeannie Bishop. Jeannie Bishop, her best friend was her sister. Her name was Nancy. 
they were best friends. They shared experiences together, not only of growing up, but of doing life well together into their adulthood. And one thing that Nancy always wanted to experience was the gift of being a mother. So it was around this time of year that Nancy shared with the entire family that she and her husband were expecting a child and what a gift that was. Everyone celebrated. And then it was a couple months later when Jeannie, my podcast guest, received a phone call that her sister had been shockingly and brutally murdered the night before. It was a difficult podcast to record. It was filled with emotion. It was filled with, yeah, joy in the front side, agony in the middle, but then this redemptive quality of forgiveness. Jeannie shared the story of heartache, but also hunting down the person who did this to her, to her sister, to the child that was coming into the world, and to her family, and ultimately building a relationship with this person. And then if you can imagine forgiving him, then a friendship, and then loving him. It, it, it's one of the most stunning, shocking stories of undeserved grace I've ever heard. And Jeannie shared it brilliantly with us. And as we came through the end of the interview, I asked her the Live Inspired 7. And one of the middle questions was, Jeannie, if you could go back into the house and grab one thing, just one item, what would you grab? And it was this answer that she shared that moved me to tears. Nancy's cross. Now you're going to make me cry again. <laughs> um, she had this beautiful gold cross on a single gold chain, and she was wearing it when she died. And it is this thing that lay against her heart as it stopped beating. And I would run and, and, and get that. What does that cross mean to you today? It means that the question I asked in my agony in the days after her murder, which is, God, where were you? Where were you? When she was praying and, beg, you know, that her husband not be killed, that her baby not be killed, that, that she live, where were you when that gun went off and ended her dream of being a mom? All she wanted was to hold that baby in her arms. Where were you? And that cross answers that question for me. God was right there. Mm. God was right there in her, her last moments, weeping, holding her, giving her the serenity in which she could dip her finger in her own blood and draw an image of love. My friends, we began this conversation today on Christmas Eve Eve with a question. Thank you, Jack O'Leary, several years ago for that question. Is that all? Is that all? And I was able as a young dad to share with him, no, that's not at all, all, Jack. It's so much more than that. And I've had the pleasure now of sharing with you a whole bunch of ladies and gentlemen, leaders, friends, family members, servants, heroes, survivors, forgivers, who reminded us of so much more than the things under the tree. As you prepare yourself for Christmas, for those of us who believe and for those of us who don't, as you get ready to step away for so many of us from work for a couple days, or if you're fortunate, maybe even a week or more, as you stumble through this day and into Christmas Eve and then into the busyness of the day itself, Christmas morning and beyond, I want to remind you of the power of focusing on the things that matter and letting go of the very things that don't. 
And as you struggle, as Nancy did with the question, where were you? Where were you? Or for some of us today, it's not past tense, it's present. God, where are you? Where are you? Let it remind you, as Nancy said so beautifully, right here, right here. So is that all? Yes, that is all. That is all. And as we approach this Christmas season, I remind you, it is enough and it is more. So my friends, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of our Live Inspired podcast journey. Some of you have heard 422 episodes with me. I want to thank you for being part of that. Some of us, you're listening in for the very first time, and now you're wondering, man, I'm curious. I want to listen to a whole bunch more episodes. We'll have For those of you interested, direct links on our website. You can subscribe there. You can check out the podcast there. You can see direct pictures there. Check it out. Visit with me right now at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. So my friends, for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary reminding you that the foundation is firm. The headwind is indeed real. But the best is yet to come. My name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. Merry Christmas and live inspired. My hometown of St. Louis is an awesome baseball town. For those of you who know my story, you know that story. You know the impact of the St. Louis Cardinals and Jack Buck and baseball on my life. You also know it's a phenomenal hockey town. And for those who have read the book On Fire or know the impact of the St. Louis Blues, not only in this community, but also on a little boy named John O'Leary, you know that it's a hockey town as well. What you may not know is the town keeps expanding. We are now, drumroll please, a soccer town as well. That's right. We've been a soccer town for a while, but now it's official with MLS moving to St. Louis. And our friends at Keeley Companies are proud construction partners in building the new stadium, downtown St. Louis, focusing on applying their extensive building experience, their commitment to developing, and then implementing a successful workforce development with diversity inclusion. Keeley Companies CEO and my friend Rusty Keeley said this, We are honored to be part of the project of creating a positive legacy in St. Louis. Learn more about that project and other projects going on at Keeley Companies by visiting them right now online at keeleycompanies.com.